Welcome back to the Beyond the Comet podcast, where we two dinosaurs talk about the magic and the mystery of the future. My name is Ahmed Iqbal, and I'm here with Cody Cannell, and we'll be talking today about security. So, Cody, when you hear security and the future, what are your immediate thoughts? So, you know, this is really interesting, especially right now, because I believe that a lot of people felt protected with a lot of these advanced technologies because larger corporations were going to be the only ones that held the keys. I mean, you could say that's a bad thing, but that is no longer the case. There's actually, just recently at Stanford, they were able to train basically a equivalent chat GPT-3, I would say 3.5, but the version of chat GPT that was before 4 that just came out. But anyways, but they they were able to train one for under $600. And this is like their big claim. They mm. were able to take Llama, which is Meta's open source language model, large language mm. model. And they were then able to use ChatGPT's uh, API or just an API is basically a bunch of functions that you can call in programming so that you can you can ask it to the question. So you can have your own prompt and then you can send it chat GPT, and then it will send back the answer so that, that that way it's, you know, you can make your own interface or make your own program that surrounds chat GPT's functionality. So um, something like a framework that you use, and then it's, it works with whatever system you're working with. Precisely. I mean, there's API, everything has an API and, and the benefit to putting out an API is one, you can charge for it. So they, they charge, I think it's per token. So like how many words you put as input, you get charged for it, but it can be a lot cheaper to do it that way for, because right now, if, if all that open AI is getting paid on is for people to get pro memberships and use mm -hmm. the advanced features, they're just not utilizing the amount of income that they could probably get. But if you, if you make an API and you make it available for people to make their own programs and, and insert ChatGPT into their own applications, now you have people that are you know, have customer bases and, and they'll get paid continuously on this, but it's a lot cheaper. It's like in, you're buying in bulk. Um, gotcha. So they were able to take the ChatGPT API and they were able to generate because how, and I, I spoke about this on other episodes, but how these models are trained are they're trained on basically input output identification. So you you need a you need pairs right so you need if if for this certain input these are the types of outputs that are acceptable answers so that you can mm -hmm. gauge so that when the the machine's being trained you can gauge it better to it will better understand what it needs to do to meet the requirements by seeing the output because it'll put the input and then there's a test data of the output and that output is basically saying how close to this are you and it then it really does become a ma mathematical problem for the, you know, with retraining the weights. Well, if it's not close enough, then the language model itself will have to retrain its weights to become closer. And this is the mm -hmm. trial and error situation that we get when you're training these reinforcement models. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because now they're basically using chat GPT to train an open source model that isn't as good as chat GPT. And then they're able to use that and train it for like 600 bucks. I mean, that's the big quota. 
why this is so interesting for security is now it's no longer in the hands of these large companies because a lot of these the larger companies were protecting us by disallowing certain inputs or because they can they can kind of train it in a way so that it can't be used maliciously for spam like i I think it has the ability to detect if it's being used for spam um Mm. so that it will discontinue to to do that or for other things like copywriting or you know it'll it'll just legal content yeah it'll just bow out but now that you can train your own you know language model at home and it actually runs not even in the cloud it can run on your computer and it's for way less i mean the amount of hardware that it took to train this was was minimal you know at, at best Mm-hmm. So it just. So you're saying it, this reshapes the what we were talking about before, where you need these supercomputers, and you're talking about the enormous cost of even one graphics card. You're yeah. saying these developments make it so that entry point is significantly lower. Like you're mentioning six hundred dollars, but even if it's you know six thousand dollars, that opens it up to a lot more entrants who can get into that space. It allows for anybody to be able to use this, so it brings it in the realm of the average user, and and it also. The average user now has no restrictions on what they're able to, you know, build it to do, which is kind of scary because now all the things that we're slightly being protected by by these larger companies because they know the malicious intent that can that these kinds of technologies can be used for, so they're purposely protecting it. Now there's there the floodgates open. It feels like, and I'm Wasn't sure it just that, a matter of time though. Like this was going to happen at some point. It's just no, alarming that it's happened already. No, I mean, they thought that the price of training a language model of of what we're seeing right now would stay high for a very long time, like up to like, I forget the year, but it's like something like 2035 or 2045 Hmm. or something like that. I can't remember, but um, that's when they they thought by just predicting the cost reduction, that's when they thought Mm -hmm. that this would be open. But by using these models to train models, it's very much accelerated that. And, and it, that's it's, like you mentioned, that's bringing in actors that we didn't know could get into the game. Now, maybe they didn't realize they could get into this, you know, the AI game. And that obviously opens up a lot more negative sources as well. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, just emails alone are going to get way more fishy. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I just think that and because these machines can can pump out, you know, phishing emails by the by the tens to thousands in a in a day or probably in an hour. I mean, and so it's but, just, and I guess it's it's similar to what we've talked about in the past, similar patterns where it also makes it easier for you know the security bots or security AIs to be created for less money to be deployed more easily so that they can hopefully attack these, right? I suppose. I mean, that's always the game, right? But but mm-hmm. I, I think that we have lost the high ground because, you know, these companies could have said, hey, you know, gone to um, OpenAI or Microsoft um, and they could have said, hey, can we have a version of this that we can utilize to try to do this and this, which would be a little bit more reputable of a route to take, right, than just it being out there. I think it just being out there it's it's going to be very difficult. I mean, yes, that's we're going to have uh, both sides are going to have to figure out how to uh, adapt to this changing environment in order to combat whatever's coming. I mean, and and this is just the start. And it, when I'm talking about 
you know, phishing emails. And I mean, this is the representation of who you are. I mean, uh, just the ability to, you know, synthesize someone, someone's voice and, and the amount of data that it takes to do that continually goes down. So uh, right now, I think you need like a, a couple minutes and I, these numbers I, I didn't look up. So what I'm just giving a just approximation of what I think, but but it used to be a lot more and now it's it's down to the realm of under five minutes of hearing someone speak and saying sentence and they have to say the sentences but that's getting smaller and smaller so soon you could say one word and it would just give i mean that's probably going to be problematic but it can give a a pretty good approximation so if you answer the phone call you know it's it's like you talk at all like i when i answer the when i answer a call i don't know i don't say anything because i'm worried that it's recording my voice mm. and then it will then use that you know and to to call my mom and be able to whatever get information about me or right um, and it's not just that single phone call now that i'm realizing you know how these large language systems work they're they could theoretically scan through any conversation you've had you know you are a guest on a YouTube thing or a guest on a podcast and it pulls that language also and it's assembling all of this to create kind of your voice. And the more information that's out there, the less is required in each individual step. So like you said, it doesn't take that long of a phone call for it to construct your voice. Well, not even that. I mean, now that, that people are training their own language models and like they can use these, and I don't know if future open AI models will be have an API, because of this, because it, you know they've already side note, but they've already um, started to restrict the amount of information that they're giving out. They they um, basically did an entire paper on ChatGPT four, which just came mm -hmm. out. And in the previous papers that they had put out, they had discussed you know the size of the model and how much data it took, and a lot of just like information. They've they didn't put it in this time because they felt like it was giving an advantage to their competitors, and they wanted to keep control over their product that they've worked so tirelessly hard to mm -hmm. put together. But now it doesn't even matter because people can just, you know, through their API, train something that is just as good. Why I'm saying this is because the next move for them is the multimodal systems, which didn't actually get released with four. They're waiting to release it in the future. I guess it's not perfectly ready, but this is now being able to not only do chat, but also do images and videos and talk about the videos. And, and so with multimodal and something that is a little bit more generalized, you might not need a different system to figure out your voice and synthesize your voice and call the hundreds of thousands of people about information. It might be able to call you, take your voice, then take your information, search the internet, find every relevant piece of information, then call people that you know and mm -hmm. use that information, synthesize your voice, write the script, and its only goal is how much money can it can it get in the end. I mean like if it is if that's its like reward or 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 value of success, I mean that's right. scary, man. Now you're having a machine mm -hmm. go out and and that's why I don't think that having this in the hands of everyone is going to be a good thing because it's just so speaking of like the APIs, don't they have, and I, you know a lot more about this than me since you're an actual programmer, don't they have restrictions on the specific uses and can't they pull those back and kind of change the terms as things go along? Or how do those APIs work when they release them and update them and what restrictions do they have on them? 
Uh, I would imagine that the same input outputs restrictions are there, but if you can train it to a certain extent, because really what it is, it's, it's about setting up the input output data set. So that's what you're building with, with the API. And that's what gets it down to 600 bucks. Cause that's the really hard part is kind of creating the huge amount of data that it takes. I mean, it's like, it was trained on like 7 trillion tokens, which token is basically either a word or a sentence. And then to be able to map that to some sort of output, you know, like mm -hmm. a collection of token is mapped to a, a specific type of output, you know, and then you, you have to have all, I mean, it's a lot of freaking data to be able to do this, but now if you can get it to be like chat GPT three, and then you just have to sprinkle in a couple extra things to make mm -hmm. it not restricted. It, it, it's just a lot less of a challenge, but you're right. If you're going to use their system to gain training data, it probably would still not be able to be trained perfectly on new types of outcomes that have been flagged as undesirable. Right. Right. And um, I guess it's another example of where regulators have to scramble because as we're talking about these things and you've identified some of the specific threats, Threats are going to pop up faster than we can keep up with them. It's going to be like whack-a-mole. And that doesn't make for a very easy regulatory environment when you're trying to come up with ways to defend threats that are new and popping up all over the place. And, and the biggest problem that we're going to face here with re regulation is, is international issues. I mean, most of this stuff is not going to come from within the United States, or it may, but I mean, a, a big majority is going to come outside of our borders, which is traditionally difficult to regulate. So I don't, I don't really know if this can be a government thing, but it, it, there has to be some sort of working together between these large companies that are choosing to open Pandora's box and the rest of the, the world. I mean, this almost needs to be like all the large companies and the UN together kind of figuring this out because it's going to be a lot. You know, I think that a lot's mm -hmm. going to come from this. And who, who really controls our future security i mean who who's protecting our identity who's protecting our resources you know and the things that we earn through our lives there's too much incentive for the bad actors to be able to take advantage of this so maybe taking the problem from a different side when would you say your information or your data is secure from today forward What's a state where you could say, okay, now I feel my data is secure. I feel like it's, it's hard to have a one set feeling. I feel like it's just relative. It's like based on what information is available, I feel relatively secure with it being out there or feeling like if I go and talk on a podcast, people can trust that it's truly me and not some generation. Yeah, no, and it's, um, it isn't. I mean, it really is going to take changes in the way that you know banks do business i, I think that they're going to have to focus on face-to-face -face business for large transactions you know minimize the amount of damage that can be done it's still kind of the case you know you aren't secure at, at all but i do think that there's less of a problem so it, it, the amount of occurrences is less right now and i think the amount of occurrences will increase to where the probability of an attack happening in your life will be high. And that's mm -hmm. what I, that's, yes, you're, you're not secure right now, but you're at, at a less, at a lower probability. I mean, there's a good chance you could go through your whole life without identity theft. I don't know if we're going to be in that 
that secure in the future. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. You said like, with all these technological innovations that would theoretically allow us to sit in our room, do big, major, multi-party transactions, it may, with the advances, make it less trustable that, for example, we're making a deal right now. You're in California. I'm over here on the East Coast. I know that it's you, but in the future, it's going to be less, I'm going to be less confident saying that. And maybe that means there's going to need to be more in-person contact for major deals or things that mean a lot. Yeah. And I've already kind of discussed this with my mom about coming up with a secret password that if anything ever needs to be said, gets used, you know, something that would be discussed not online, but or in any capacity, but in person. So you set up that and, and I, I kind of that might be something that needs to take place because I just don't think that through identification is valuable enough, you know, anymore. Our identities right. are too easily compromised. So it has to be some sort of secret pass between people or entities. It's just such an interesting concept because you went from, at some point, fingerprints were so state-of-the-art and high-tech, and you could use those to get into places. And then people realize those can be faked or we can bypass them and get past those systems. And so it keeps stepping up, whether it's like you know, optical recognition, face scan, all of these things. But as technology and the future, the future shows more and more that it can mimic those things. Every security that we thought was so secure in the past gets less and less so to where the highest security we have is just our old boring flesh and being in a place and talking to someone. Yeah. And there are certain things that just take different ways of thinking about security. I had a friend that, that worked for the, I think he worked for the MLB. Major League Baseball, I believe that's, and, and he worked on the security system for all their stats, you know, because they keep all their stats in these servers. But in order to not allow anyone to be able to hack that and manipulate them, there is a, how do you say this? So there's no connection to the outside world. Okay. So, and they, they do this in, in other government um, institutions as well to protect information. So there's a there's a gap barrier around. So nothing from within the, the servers connects to the outside. They only connect through one terminal and the way that they connect is very secure. So it mm -hmm. reduces, you're never allowed to go in there and go online. So the only way you could physically alter the information is would to be go inside the actual building with mm -hmm. some sort of virus on a disk and be able to manipulate it that way. And it's kind of like it, shutting off certain doors. So you only have to watch one entrance and exit. Exactly. And I, mm -hmm. and I think that's, you know, that, that we're going to have to be a little bit more creative in the way that we create security on a personal level. Cause I mean, that's easily done because it, it's an entity that's trying to get attacked, but with people that need to communicate all the time, I don't think that they can have a barrier between them and the internet, you know, but no, um, I agree. I, and I think it's also the issue of, with security things, I think people are wary enough to, you know, cover up the pin when they're putting it into a machine or, you know, not share their passwords with friends. But I think a lot of the things that we're used to that seem very innocuous, very normal, just talking to friends online or sharing a video that you made and revealing your location or something like that. I don't think they realize how much that reveals. I don't think it, especially with AI, they realize how many things that opens up for them. It's these are basically 
more and more keys that we're handing AI and future technologies that can break into things that we previously thought were secure. Well, I, I honestly think that um, the next attack is going to be on family members. Like I said, I think that utilizing the data that we continually put out there and, you know, somebody's posting on any, any type of social media, then all their information, their voice, the way they look, their information about what they think is important or where they are, you know, can all be used to corrupt family members to give pertinent information. And yeah, I think everybody really needs to have a solid talk with the rest of their family, especially elders, you know, and really make a, a understanding that this is the world that we're entering into and that there needs to be some sort of preamble before financial discussions take place or something that's important that could be, a, you know, taken advantage of. So it's kind of like the, the good advice in the past where if someone calls you from the bank saying we need this information, if you're at all suspicious, and I mean, even if you're not suspicious nowadays, just call the bank back on your own and then ask them, yeah. hey, so-and-so called or what information do you actually need? Because you can't trust that they're actually calling from the bank. So you're saying take it a step further. So if it's anything financial or personal or potentially sensitive, meet the person in person or find some other way that you can confirm that they're legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, the protection of our, that makes me think of the protection of our devices is super important as well. And I, I don't know if that'll ever be compromised because really with all of these attacks, it's basically about representing outgoing data or capturing outgoing data. If you think that somebody on the other side of a video screen, what they're seeing is not you, they're seeing a flat layer of pixels. You know, mm -hmm. and, and that, that really becomes the issue, right? Because the flat layer pickle, pixels that they're seeing with the audio synthesis are just easily replaced, you know, and you can easily copied. I mean, that's basically the face uh, filters on all the social yeah. media. That's what I mean, doing. it's just going, yeah. yes, yeah, going over every pixel and altering it in a way to make it look a certain way. But mm -hmm. that's, that's very easily corrupted. But through devices, it's, it's, you know, you say call back the bank. If you could, and this is spoofing, right? If you could mm -hmm. somehow capture that outgoing phone call, and I think they can do this. Um, I know the FBI does this. They can clone phones and do all sorts of stuff. But if you were able to capture that outgoing phone call, now, even though you call the bank, it would everybody you called would go to this account or this person. Right. Right. Um, right. But that's, that's, again, it takes more work. So that that's a little bit more sophisticated. I, we're looking mm -hmm. at the low... I think the problem that we're facing right now is just the, the bar is so low for, you know, entry that anybody right. can go do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think, like you said, you expected this to be you know, four or five years in the future, maybe more. And it's already happened. It's going to be alarming for some of the stuff you're talking about where, you know, you say one sentence and it's got a whole profile built about who you are and what you sound like. Yeah. That may not be that far off. As we're talking about this stuff happening now, it's maybe getting quicker and quicker. And the in-person, just meeting people in person, that's a nice start, but obviously it's not going to work for everything. You can't do, in this modern life, you can't do everything you need to by physically putting yourself in front of that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to definitely take a little bit more effort from the consumer, which is, you know, obviously when technology makes things easier it allows for them whatever the 
industry is to function better and be more streamlined and which makes them more money. Um, mm -hmm. By asking, you know, you to come into the bank a lot more. I mean, people are you're not going to want to do that, especially, you know, in certain situations. I think that there's a very, there's a, a another device that, that came out that kind of fits this situation is a good kind of uh, example. There's this device that came out not too long ago, and I forget the name of it. It's like this orange device that you can buy, and mm -hmm. it will, it basically will open up all card readers at like hotels, and like you can even use it to open up the safes. It, it's it's a radio uh, RFID like emitter or something, but it has a lot of. It's basically one like physical tool that does all this stuff, mm -hmm. and it makes it really easy. So like you could go buy it and become a criminal pretty easily. Like it's not. It puts everything into one little package. It's it's kind of mm -hmm. similar to and I, when the when the bump key came around, I don't know if anyone's familiar with this, but the a bump key is a key that has it has all the what do you call those like the rivets on the key? They're kind of mm -hmm. uh, they're filed down so that it has a uh, very specific shape. It looks like the bottom teeth of an alligator or something. Um, mm -hmm. And then you put a little piece of rubber on the end of it, and then you tap it. And what it does is it it takes the tumblers inside the key, and it, it just shoots them up in the air all at the same time. And so uh, what it does is you just keep doing that over and over again, and, you, and you'll finally hit it. You'll, it'll lock, and then you'll open it. And it, mm -hmm. you can open every door, uh, you know, that isn't – like there's newer locks that that have obviously been created to – prevent this from happening but every basic lock can be open with a bump key and it's just anybody now can do that like it's so easy for somebody to create that you don't need to learn lock picking or know anything or like there's no skill yeah it's uh, that brings to mind and i remember seeing some other videos on youtube about how many of the mailboxes and many of the individual door locks that we have there really aren't that many base patterns for the keys and so they're very easy to get through if someone wanted to break in yeah. and it brings to mind both in terms of the physical locks and also when we're talking about security online how uh, people like to think of it as if it's like this giant big metal lock for a bank that's got all these protections but really it's just theater it's like an illusion of security if someone wants to get through they can get through and i think What's important is to realize how thin the security is and to guard your information. Kind of what we we're talking about, meeting more people in, in person, trying to limit the amount of information you give to people or entities that you aren't very confident about. And I think that's where it starts. I think that's where most of the work is, is protecting what you release and then being really conscious of how much security you actually have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but, uh, you know, I still think it's a probability thing that's the problem, you know? It's how many people are attempting it and how many people... I feel like if the bar is lowered too much and it becomes too easy, like if all of these... The example that I had before with everything in one application that's, that does every step along the way and all you see is you just press a button, it finds people and brings you money. You just get money, right? You don't... Right. It's almost like, you know, it's doing all the foul things that might take one effort because I mean, it's hard to if you were to try to scam someone with your just your voice. I mean, it takes confidence to be able to do that. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a skill set. And but mm-hmm. if you could just press a button and, and the machine does everything for you, and now you have you're making money, you know, right? It, and it's a numbers game because even a, the machine's going to be learning every time what works, what doesn't, and eventually it's going to get good enough that it's going to be profitable for whoever's running it. Yeah, there are probably so many people that if if they were just guaranteed a certain amount of money a year just by leaving this thing on, right. And yeah, of course, it's stealing it from other people, but people would just do it anyways. I just think there's enough people out there that would just do it anyways. Well, especially if, from what you're saying, it's like you're not actually doing the negative thing. You're just pressing a button or filling out a form and something else is doing it. It raises another big concern of the internet. You don't feel the impact of what you're doing. You're just you know, doing some other task and you're getting rewarded for it. Yeah. not really seeing the end result of what you're doing, you know, like a senior without their without money to pay rent or taking money from a school or something like that. You don't see the effect of that. Yeah. I mean, this is why I think bots and investment are so, you know, so many people utilize them is because you don't have to, you don't have to sit there and look at the market. It does it for you. You know, it might not be as successful, but it can do it way faster and you can just leave it. And, and the idea of just leaving something running and you're collecting money is very appealing, you know, obviously. I mean, right. you can go do whatever you want, you know, you can go enjoy life. But even if there's a moral, I mean, there's no moral overhanging on that. But with this, I just don't think people are going to care. If I don't know. Yeah. Do you have solutions or are you just in the worry phase at this point? Um, As I said, I think the best thing that we can do is get everyone together and kind of figure out a way to combat this. I do think that like device makers like Apple and, you know, even Android for Google, I think that they need to figure out how to secure identities because it's really been, you know, Apple's done a, a, a fair amount. They're the forefront of the technology that will be able to do that, you know, and I, and I don't think mm-hmm. that other companies should be the ones that are allowed to and make sure that you are who you say you are. What's an interesting balance for me is these companies that are seeking to protect you and seeking to kind of verify your identity is your own. They require personal information, whether it's like, you know, your fingerprint, your eyes, your face, answers to personal questions, all of that. It requires that. And then that's only going to go up in the future. And you're yeah. basically giving those companies even more access to who you are than you would anyone else, almost more than like you would your loved ones. Like your loved ones don't know all the answers to your security questions. They don't have a scan of your eyeball. They don't know what your face structure is like perfectly. And we're handing these to companies, companies like whose interest, whose goal is to make money, not to protect us. And that's a strange comfort level thing. I don't know. I know we need to trust someone in this game, but it's hard to trust someone whose interests aren't completely aligned with my own. Yeah, and we could take the worst company, which is Meta, and kind of use them as an example of what might come. I'm not so scared of the information that they are gaining, because really, why they are so bad, I mean, they're they're a great company, but I think why they get so much flack is because they're very ad-forward, you know, and and they want Mm -hmm. to be able to sell your data to advance advertising's direct ability basically if they they want to give advertisers the targeted consumers for their product show the right people the right ads but 
I still don't know, you know, yes, they're, they're collecting all the data and, and even with like their, uh, VR headsets, you know, they're, they're now eye tracking. So if they're mm-hmm. going to put, I mean, there's not really advertising too heavily in VR right now, but eventually, you know, they're seeing what you're looking at, what, what right. interests you and they can train off of that. Um, which is a whole different episode, uh, mm-hmm. is like being able to adhere these systems to kind of manipulate your emotional state, which, you know, which will happen. I mean, basically by collecting all the data that you've put out there, it's going to be really easy to be more like just through the fact of over effectiveness, like they're going to be trying mm-hmm. to be more effective than they need to be. And that will um, be directly uh, manipulative of our emotional state. I guarantee it. I mean, it already is happening. Oh, for um, sure. I, I don't see that. I hope no one's really doubting that because in the same way, the people talk about like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I started using a social media app and then two hours later, I'm looking up and where did the time go? They know what people click on. They know what keeps people hooked. And yeah. it's not like there's a secret set of people who have all these have all this information. It's constantly learning. It's constantly figuring out you know, we put this color out there, we put this shape out there, people are more likely to click on it. If we put a man, a woman of this age, of this height, that gets more clicks or less clicks. And the more detailed it gets, the less chance you have to fight that. And it, it's not just the fact that these are ploys that they're using. It's also that they're getting a full blueprint of the buttons that they need to push to make you as an individual do what they want. And that's extremely alarming. Yeah, and I, I I think that they should stand trial for that. But for giving them all the data and worrying about how they they are going to manipulate us, but at least they're not attacking our resources and, and our financial standing, which is kind of what security in my mind is is a little bit more akin to is protecting your ability to have ownership over things, you know? I could debate that when a company say meta is trying to put out ads that let's say you know you're happy with your current car but they put out ads in a certain way that makes you really really want to upgrade and it's twice as much twice as expensive that will actively change your financial status if it forces you to feel like i need to get this car because it knows the buttons to push so it's in a sense it's it's obviously more above board than someone fishing or trying to say that you know they're your long lost uncle or something but it's still not something that if you knew the whole picture that you would do. And so it still is a pretty serious issue in my mind. I, I agree. And, you know, there's some elements, you know, with the system has been built around allowance of this inappropriate financial choices. You know, I mean, there's like, you know, you can get credit and just the whole system is kind of built to ease the mistakes that people make with their financial portfolios to buy that new car that maybe they shouldn't be or don't have enough money or it might not even be that uh, maybe they have enough money and their but their car is just good enough mm-hmm. i still feel like that is an individual choice you know in the end i mean even to be corrupted is still more individual than somebody wiping out your bank accounts i mean you really had sure. no capability to make the right choice there you know, and, and how we're being influenced by these companies, I think, is being rectified by both the youth as well as, uh, uh, you know, just the regular users. I think people are a little fed up 
with manipulation and emotional manipulation. I, I you know, it's hard to say because the numbers are still staggeringly high who you right. you know, the amount of people that use these social media platforms. But maybe from a personal understanding, it's like I find people are a little bit they they at least know that the company is evil, right? In a sense. Yeah. Like they they know I, I mean, there was a time where people didn't even realize that and and I think that we're getting to a point where we've been manipulated so much that you know, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe nobody. Well, I think it's I don't think you're wrong. I think you're correct in that people start to take notice. But then maybe I'm thinking too negatively or cynically. But I see the companies telling themselves like, OK, so the customer doesn't like obvious manipulation. So we'll just have to make it more subtle. We have to just make it seem like it's their idea, which is like the number one rule. If you're being a con man or con woman is you make the person think it's their idea to buy into the con. And, you know, with something like social media, it's like, oh, no, I chose to go to these videos and I'm making the choice to click on this and go to the next thing. When the question of which like five or six or nine options is in front of you, that's controlled by these companies. That's being shaped by their algorithms that you don't really have a view into. And I think that's the that's what worries me the most. It's not the obvious ways that they, you know, put their finger on the balance but the ways they make you seem like you're making a free choice when they're kind of stacking the deck. They're choosing what your options are. Yeah. I mean, um, if you're, but you still have the choice to get out of the system, which I, you don't really have a choice to get out of the financial system or, I mean, you're going to use, I mean, I suppose you could put all your money in, under a mattress, but then, you know, that doesn't really make sense either. You have to have your money earning in some way in this world to kind of, be able to plan for your future. That's not really a choice in my in in my book, but I feel like sense. using and you could say that I mean once you start a business then it becomes not a choice because you have to use these social media platforms to be able to run your business and even people that choose not to sometimes get sucked into it even though they don't want to, so they they end up hiring some social media manager because they they don't want to get the emotional impact that that these constant reinforcement that mm -hmm. other people are happier than you is bad for your psyche, but it does pull at you. Like it keeps trying to pull you back into it. Right. And then I, that's what gets me is I completely agree with you. There are certain things you can't get out of, have to have certain governmental interactions, pay taxes, you know, identification and things like that. You have to have yeah. financial information. And typically, unless you want to make it really inefficient, you're going to have to interact with other entities, other people unless you want to do the under the mattress thing. Those are all conscious choices. And I think it's just getting harder and harder for people to avoid social media. And I'm using that as a broad term. And as they learn more through AI and through other you know, research, what makes people tick, what makes them want to do it or not do it, I think it's just going to be even tougher to avoid. And I agree that it's a conscious choice, but that decision is going to just get very, very difficult and already is for people. Yeah, but I, I honestly think that, you know, and this all this tangent kind of started because of where we're going to put the responsibility and the power in whose hands are, you know, because by putting it into the hands of the larger international corporations, we are protecting ourselves against the average user, you know, out there that can create, you know, the average user that can create mayhem. But mm -hmm. as you, on the other side, by allowing something like 
al alpaca, which is what it's called, be created for $600. Now you're also allowing that technology to seep into somebody that could make an alternate version of the future, which might suit our happiness better, you know, and something mm -hmm. that, so there are two sides to this, you know, I, there is, and this is always the case. I mean, this is, we've run into this, it's always good and bad. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really tough because I, I think that the quantity of problems that are going to happen by allowing this kind of power out into the hands of the average, it's going to suck. Not going to be fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. But hopefully, I mean, hopefully we do get new paradigms and new, I mean, cause the, the funny thing is it's just a shift of how of thinking, you know, it's not, we have, we're only thinking that this is the only system that works and this is the only system that's available because there are no other choices. We really do need to, to just allow for new paths to emerge that solve these problems in a more fundamental way. It, it's, I always think that's something I believe in. I believe in that you can better fix problems through design than through technology or through, like, this is something when I'm coding that, that, mm -hmm. that comes up all the time, you know, where it's, I can try to make the thing work the way that I want it to work. And it can, you know, if it's not functioning properly, Usually it's a design issue. You know, usually it's a way of changing the idea itself to function in a way that that is more appropriate to the outcome that I I didn't even know that existed. But right that yeah, so, and I feel the world's the same way. You know, it's it it yeah. really just becomes a design problem. Yeah, and I think stinks to be saying that. You know, some people are going to have to have their identity stolen or have financial issues, but I do think that we're going to have to stumble until we figure out the right way to walk. And this is a pretty challenging area. And I think the only path forward for individuals is to just be as disciplined as you can and keeping your information from these sources that might cause issues and trying to limit the amount of information you need to put out there. And then hopefully the system corrects itself without causing too much harm to the people as we go along the path. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And um, I'm, I'm glad to stumble, you know, a little bit. And this is, this has always been true. It's not something that's new, which is, which is great. So we've gone through a lot of situations where something, a, a paradigm shift needed to take place. And, you know, even in our own personal lives, I find this happens all the time. You know, it's like sometimes life is telling you that something is wrong. And, you know, if you sit down and actually listen and make changes, everything will be okay, you know, but if you continue down the same path and bullheadedly ignore what life is trying to tell you, then, you know, the problem will continually show up. And I don't see this any different from societies, you know, and, and the world itself. That's good advice. Good advice in general. Good conversation about security today. And we will hope to talk about another amazing topic about the future, whether it's positive, negative, or in between on the next podcast. So thanks for joining us and talk to you soon.